we're back. Oh my gosh. Hey. You guys still alive out there? This is Michael. This is David. And welcome to the Text Lab where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope that the Text Lab helps you to lead meaningful conversations about what God has said in his word. This week, we're in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Let's get into it. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is one of my favorite passages in in scripture. It's a uh, it's a good one, man. I've been waiting. I told David earlier. I've been waiting twenty years to preach this text. Okay, so you that's guys, a long time. You guys probably heard a great, uh, hilarious joke on Sunday that made everybody cringe. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll save that for Sunday. Um, but you guys, this text is great because it's really what I'm going to call the bread discourse. Okay, there's a lot to do about bread but it has almost nothing to do with bread because it's actually all about Jesus. And so what we see is uh, all of chapter six is very connected. So mm. you've got this miracle, you've got Jesus walking on water in this mm-hmm. text, but also Jesus interprets the miracle in a conversation with his disciple and and these massive crowds that were around him. And really what we're going to see at the end of this chapter is Jesus being abandoned by mm. the the masses. Yeah. And it all starts with him feeding the masses. And so this is how we get to that point. And it's very important that we understand this very beginning mm-hmm. miracle because that's what informs the rest. And it's going to set up the next I am statement in John where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think as you're starting to approach this text, understanding just some of the details that John puts in here to kind of continue to set the table, help us understand what's going on. Um, One of those is is taking a look at how um, crowds have been following Jesus and how they've really just been traveling with him. They move up from kind of the Judea region up to Galilee. This is an area that's north of Judea um, by about 100, 125 miles. And so the text says that you have thousands of people walking with Jesus, about four to five day walk. This is like a small city 
that's following Jesus around. Um, the Jesus movement is popping and growing. It's hot right now. Um, and they are on fire following him, excited about what he's doing. Um, and that'll tell us a lot about how Jesus responds to the crowds and how they respond to him. Um, and you also just have this huge bread theme, as he said, the bread discourse. Um, Passover is happening. There probably were some extra people there because of the Passover feast. And there's just this strong connection in Passover to Exodus and the deliverance of the people of Israel from Pharaoh. And then this real bread emphasis that kind of comes out of that, um, that we're going to continue to be unpacking throughout really all of chapter six and the meaning of that. But I just want to point out that as we're diving into a a text like this, I think you really see the importance of just knowing your Old Testament, knowing the Old Testament scripture um, that really helps you understand what's happening in the New Testament. The the technical term for this is intertextuality, just kind of seeing how the the New Testament story echoes the Old Testament story. It's language and um, the richness of the symbolism and imagery. Understanding that is going to give you so much more insight and make these passages really, really rich. Otherwise, they can kind of become bland. If you just read them as kind of like cute stories or kind of cool stories that happen and miss some of this, in, uh, the imagery, it really becomes generic. And I think with the bread imagery in this passage, you really see the importance of that. Yeah, you're definitely missing out if you don't connect this back to the Exodus because Jesus is essentially the new Moses and he's mm-hmm. the better Moses. Mm-hmm. And one of the things John has been doing in his gospel is showing us all the different ways that Jesus is better than all the patriarchal figures yep. of the Jewish um, faith at this point. And yep. So the feeding of the 5,000 is huge. It is one of the few miracles that's in all four gospels. Mm-hmm. There were 5,000 men, but it could have been upwards of 20,000 yeah, individuals between like kids and you know, wives and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's like a Placerville worth of people yeah. okay, that yeah. was following him. And then uh, the other kind of in- interesting note toward the end there is that they finish with 12 baskets. Mm. It's a very significant number for John and also without, you mm-hmm. know, throughout the Bible where there's, you've got your 12 tribes of Israel, you've got your 12 disciples. There was enough for all of them signifying that Jesus is the fulfillment for Israel yeah. and what Israel needed. Mm-hmm. And that Old Testament reference, you can go back to specifically like Exodus 12 Mm. talks about Israelites leaving um, Pharaoh and leaving Egypt. There's even reference there to that, how when they left, they weren't able to bake their bread before they left. So they made bread that was unleavened without yeast um, once they got out of Egypt. And that's kind of where the Passover festival and the, the festival of unleavened bread comes from if you kind of want to help connect some of these pieces. So I think as we're diving into the narrative, asking just those questions that we always want to ask, what happened? What's going on here? Uh, Specifically, why here? Why is John telling this story right now in the narrative? And also then really, what is John's point? I think we always want to be thinking about author's intent. John's using specific language, telling specific events in a certain way, placing them in different places. And so really to show us what John's point is. And I think a really great question to kind of be unpacking with your group and asking why were the crowds following Jesus? Looking at verse two, you have these masses coming after him. What did these people want? Why were they following Jesus and kind of what were they pursuing? Yeah, and the answer to that will get us to kind of the heart of what John's trying to tell us and what he's trying to highlight in their motivation. And so Mm. you've got that first question, why were the crowds following Jesus? The second one being, despite their motives, what does Jesus do for the crowds? Mm. It's so interesting how Jesus actually gives them 
what they thought they needed, yeah. but also is going to set them up for what they, it's, it's beautiful. So mm. great question to be asking your group is, um, what did he actually do for the crowd despite their motive? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think that kind of helps you think through the wider context here of chapter six of what is Jesus communicating with this miracle? The crowds come to him wanting something. They're following him for a real reason, but then Jesus responds to them in a specific way. And what is kind of the significance of the bread imagery? Like, What is that telling us about Jesus? That's, that's honestly a question that I think is probably the most helpful question throughout maybe all the gospels, specifically John. What does this tell us about Jesus? What's the significance of that? Um, And that's a good question. Ask that in your group. Be unpacking that as well. And then a final one to ask as you wrap up that narrative with them would be, why does Jesus retreat to the mountains? And why is this important? You know, the text tells us directly, like they wanted to make him king and he Mm. runs away and doesn't want that to happen because it's not his time. But why is that important? And that should call us again to the wider understanding of the gospel of John and Mm -hmm. this uh, coronation theme that is continuing where you have this true king that's finally here that's going to be set up as mm. the king, but not in the way that any of them are thinking. And so that brings us to our big idea for this text, yeah. which really highlights that Jesus is the provision that we need. Mm-hmm. He's exactly what fulfills the deepest need that we have. Mm-hmm. And that need isn't always the one that's on our top of mind. And, yeah. and But what he does is he meets us where we actually need him, which is at salvation. We need the saving of our souls. We need rescue Mm -hmm. from sin. Mm -hmm. And Jesus provides for us the way that we really need to be provided Mm -hmm. for. But Mm -hmm. that's the problem that these people are having. They really want food. They want him to come and take over the Roman Empire. They're like, hey, we could get rid of global hunger right now. Let's do this thing. But instead, Jesus had a very different goal in mind, which was to save them from their sin. Mm. I I think thinking that the answer of what were the crowds pursuing versus what does Jesus provide is is so helpful and important in this passage. Because you do see them, John says there in the beginning of chapter 6, they came because they had seen the signs. And then the response that they want to make him king is they want something impressive and they want power. Um, that speaks a lot to what's happening in our world today is that they they are a part of this. They're excited about it. Um, there's this movement happening. But then Jesus responds to them very, di- very differently saying what Jesus has to offer is very different than that. Um, and I think that's a great question to continue to unpack in your group. What do you think you really need in your life? What do you really need? Because a lot of times we're chasing the bread um, in Let's lots of different bread. ways. <laughs> lots of different ways we're pursuing the bread. Um, we're pursuing something that's um, inter- going to entertain us. This is what, how the crowd interpreted the signs of Jesus. Um, that, that we are pursuing some sort of like power, um, some sort of uh, way in life that, that will make us feel significant or we want things to be a certain way. And Jesus offers us what we actually need, um, which I think as I just think about application for this question, like, um, that just hits hits me in 2020, 2021. Um, what I actually need this year is not often what I think I need. Um, and I think I think that's something that this season of life has really revealed, um, that truly Jesus is enough every single day. What, what I need is um, intimacy with him. What I need is the life, the abundant life, the good life that only Jesus brings. Um, and I think Jesus shows that, that, that he is enough, um, that he's going to give what we actually need. And I love in this passage, I think this is, is something cool to see here, is how Jesus takes what seems like an impossible situation and makes something 
possible. It seems like, man, all these people are hungry. Um, you've got the disciples Philip thinking about how much money is it going to cost to feed all these people. Um, Andrew's kind of like, okay, here's a little something, but how far will this even go? And I think I'm so often aware of my limited time, my limited energy, my little uh, limited resources, but truly that these are no obstacle for God, that God is going to work something um, big for his kingdom out of off things that are very small. It's a mustard seed, as Jesus says in other places. It's something really small that God is going to do something with. And so almost just like embracing that in this season, embracing my limitations, embracing my weakness, embracing my brokenness, my de- desperate dependence on Jesus and saying, okay, God, here it is. I, I can't do this without you. Um, you're going to need to show up and do something. And the promise is that Jesus takes what seems impossible and makes something possible out of it. What about for you, Michael? Application, where do you go with this? Yeah, as I think about that question of what do I think I really need, uh, I think, so that question and then the question of what do you really need in life mm. are funny because there's actually a distinction there. Like yep. what do I think I need versus what do I really need? Yeah. And I think this text kind of like brings that into focus a bit, at least for me. And um, the other day we were at this you know, holiday gathering with um, some family members and it was just a ton of fun man there's like laughing there was music yeah. we were playing instruments we were taking pictures like it was just this super very life-giving experience we had some of the most amazing burgers you ever had a, a smoked burger Did you know you can yes. smoke burger I didn't even it's know amazing. that was a thing. I had probably five smoked <laughs> burger patties. No buns, just to you know keep it keto, people. Um, but I loved that experience. And when I walked away from it, um, one of the people that were there, they had posted on Facebook just how fulfilling it was and how, how much they it mattered to them and how in 2020, so much had been brought into focus for them of what really mattered. Yeah. And, and as they were kind of ending the year, they had really written this beautiful post about how what really mattered was Mm. being around family, Mm. like sharing these moments, because when you're doing your nine to five throughout the week, like really what, what that's for is to be able to support like these moments. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking about how sweet it really was that we got to experience Mm. that. Like we had people who had come in from, you know, as far as Oregon and we were all all together and people we hadn't seen in probably 10 months or so. But, um, even in reflecting on that, recognizing that that is part of what gives life meaning, but what even gives meaning to that is Jesus. And when we're in the midst of experiencing those moments, I think, um, they asked me to pray for the meal and I almost started crying during mm. it. I was like, Oh my gosh, mm. dude. <laughs> and I, like, because I knew there were people <laughs> I love there that. who like didn't know Jesus and I'm sitting there and they're like, Hey, yeah, pray for our meal. And they're kind of, you know, yeah, culturally yeah. Christian, like, yeah. you know, and, and I just was, was reminded of, you know, what really matters is this moment and mm. being Jesus in this moment, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I think on some level thinking of what I need for 2021 or how I want to invest in things that matter in 2021, yeah. It's remembering that like, yeah, these family moments are what really matters. And even beyond that, it's like being able to be Jesus in the Mm -hmm. midst of it and bring that like bread of life that they really need to be satisfied with because the campfire goes out eventually. Like, you know, you can sit around it and sing songs and have fun, but eventually the campfire goes out Yeah, and eventually all this stuff of life goes Mm -hmm. away as well. Mm -hmm. And what's left is what did we do with Jesus? And Mm -hmm. so that's a reflection, at least for me, when I think about um, this text and what it looks like to, to be supplied by what we need yeah. through Jesus. So good. 
So good, man. Hey, well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is that we're going to do our best to make this really valuable time for you um, as you study the text, as you dive deeper into it. If this helps you in any way, let us know. Yeah, whether you're at the gym or you're mowing the lawn, you're driving, whatever you're doing in 2021 while you listen to your podcast. <laughs> mowing the lawn. Uh, mowing the lawn. Do they even have lawns anymore? I don't know, I hope, I hope they still exist in 21. Well, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit truly lead you. Know that you are one who has sent this week uh, into your group, into your family, into your Pray Watch communities, into your neighborhood, wherever God invites you to go and be the living proof of a loving God. Yep, we love you guys, and we will catch you next time on The Text Lab.